Thunder Media. Today on Inside Supercars, we jump into the windback machine and turn back time to a point where supercars were looking at the car of the future and did a squat analysis on the organisation. Uh, 2009 was when Bitcoin was created. So uh, way, way back then, uh, 10,000 Bitcoin could buy you two pizzas. <laughs> and, it's, it, and it's nearly back to that now. <laughs> We kick off our look at 2009 SWOT analysis with strengths. Today on Inside Supercars, I hope you enjoy the chat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitaker and Craig Ravel, and we're joined this week by Peter Norton, who is uh, getting ready for a, a week in the sun, maybe not quite that uh, luxurious, but Peter, you're off to uh, Townsville. Yes, Tony, very much looking forward to uh, a number of days there in a, a warmer climate. Uh, Canberra is rather cold and chilly, and it's nice to uh, get on an aircraft and get out of here occasionally. Um, but, uh, yeah, fingers across that flights work okay. Well, we'll look forward to hearing the uh, post-analysis of your Townsville trip. But before uh, we let you go uh, getting ready for packing your bags, we're doing something of a flashback onto uh, what was life like when we were Mark Scaife and the uh, people around supercars get the various opportunities, problems and potential for this series in the future. Uh, Craig Ravel is going to uh, take the lead on this, ask the questions, ask Peter and myself, who've both been around the sport 20 plus, to give us a, a, our view of what we think the problems and potentials are. So looking at the SWOT analysis of supercars. We were talking about a period of supercars as they were getting ready for the car of the future. And as we are now in the grips of the next generation car, I thought it'd be interesting for us to go through, starting with the strengths. And it's a fascinating one because at that time, supercars were having record growth between 93 and 2009. They had comparisons with themselves and DTM and NASCAR, which featured the high-tech world of DTM up against the high frequency of events, which were NASCAR. And supercars were, were trying to manage their way through, which is the future. And they went for what effectively is both. It's safe to say they have high-tech cars with a high frequency. Yeah, indeed. It, it is uh, interesting to see that uh, we're in the same uh, situation now with uh, Gen 3 as Car of the Future was the, the promising of making 
uh, less expensive cars. We're not going to say cheap cars, less expensive cars. And that hasn't been the, the, the result to date. Um, with each new generation of car, we've seen costs keep on spiralling. I mean, and, and the ludicrous situation is, you know, the, the wheels, for instance, you know, the, the teams changing with this new car to a new wheel. Um, when there doesn't seem to be, I mean, probably a conversation we need to have with Kevin Fitzsimon of uh, of Dunlop, but where, you know, is there the need to go to this different size wheel and tyre combination? Because that seems to be one of the things that the teams are going to have to be shelling out for is a whole new uh, wardrobe of uh, footwear, so to speak. Um, uh, it does seem rather uh, crazy that we haven't seen the cost reductions that there should have been, um, Peter. Oh, I very much agree that, uh, uh, and I think uh, most people uh, connected to the sport would also agree that uh, we haven't got the balance correct about reining in some of the cost but also uh, appeasing the appetite of technology and going faster. Uh, it's the age-old dilemma of is it a show or is it a, a technical sport and, and you know, a showcase of uh, excellence in technology. Uh, we'll always struggle with that, I think. The TV package, one of the strengths in 2009, which I think we'd all agree is still there, is a strong TV package they have strong support of the broadcaster, which we need to talk about the changing face of media, and their cumulative audience, international audience, expanded additional shows were on the horizon. We can also talk the merits of that. But then they were looking at the linkage to Sunrise, Dancing with the Stars, and Bathurst being an absolute ratings bonanza, Tony. Indeed, and it certainly is interesting to look back on it. I mean, the strength of the series was our television stacked up incredibly well against both the European and the American. Um, the, the thing that uh, stands out about television, it's so well produced, so well thought out, that it makes the car, driving the cars absolutely uh, dangerous. And that was the thing that makes these cars look so great and the series look so great. And I think that is one of the real strengths of the series compared to, say, NASCAR, where they shoot the cars so wide, they end up looking like little matchbox toys on the circuit. What do you think, Peter? Uh, I think uh, all Australians should be very proud of uh, the, the television technology and production that uh, uh, we've developed over the years, and in particular the, the product from supercars really is top shelf. And, and we see that with, uh, uh, you know, we get to export some of that great talent uh, to TV around the world. Um, yes, it really is uh, a highlight, I think, of the sport. Um, and, and really what's changed in the, the dozen years is that, uh, back in 2009, it was all talking about free-to-air and uh, which broadcaster and uh, you know the strengths of things, uh, being able to leverage off uh, Dancing with the Stars and those sorts of things. Uh, and the world's really quite different now because of Foxtel and, um, in, in many respects, the, the waning popularity of the full Foxtel subscription uh, and, and competition coming with, with other streaming uh, sources. Uh, Stan, of course, is starting to step up to the challenge with a, a lot of motorsport and other sport uh, through their paid subscription. So uh, the goalposts really have moved, but uh, I think it remains a strength 
being the quality of the television product, uh, but perhaps it is a, a weakness or a threat is the uh, uh, it's not a, as available on free-to-air as it used to be, but maybe as consumers, as viewers, we're, we're adapting to that and it's not such a, a threat as we thought it might have been a couple of years ago. Well, I, I think one of the things that's interesting, um, and we have to uh, take note of something, Peter, you might not be aware that uh, Simon Chapman, who I'm sure you've met, um, a young journalist who's been with Speed Cafe, came from New Zealand, has done very well, made a name for himself, and he's now just been um, headhunted by the Nine Network. Now, from that piece of information and the other bits and pieces around, the stand and the various other things, the manoeuvring going on with Indy cars, with F1 and the way in which it's happening, is I think we're going to see more competition for the next contract for supercars for television than we've seen in recent years. I think the three networks are all trying to get into motorsport. And uh, while Channel 10 has its Formula One involvement uh, and Seven has certainly uh, Formula E is one of the things they have, uh, along with the women's, women's series, the Open Wheelers, it would seem that all the three commercial stations, I think, are going to be vying for that next contract. Uh, it's certainly going to make it an interesting scenario. Of course, the other one to throw in there is this recent news about Seven trying to dump cricket. Uh, that adds to the whole sporting nature of broadcast. Peter? Yeah, I, th- I think it's wonderful news that uh, more and more television stations uh, and uh, uh, streaming uh, services are showing interest. I think uh, uh, it's the, the pot of gold that any sport is chasing, uh, and that is for competition for your content. Uh, so I think that that is uh, definitely a real opportunity for the sport uh, to drive it into the future. One of the things back in 2008, 2009, was seen as long-term agreements with venues and events. They name Adelaide, Bathurst and Sydney. We get to this point, Adelaide's come and gone and hopefully is back again. I know I've bought my tickets to get there. Bathurst has been a mainstay and even though the beginning of the season wasn't right for Bathurst, it is still the 1,000 and has its place. But Sydney, Tony, has been the market that after a boom start, it never really got there and Sydney Motorsport Park hasn't really um, excited too many Sydney siders. No, and it's interesting because it sort of suffers from the same problem that Phillip Island has, even though geographically they're vastly different. You know, Eastern Creek or Sydney Motorsport Park being in the western suburbs of Sydney, whereas Phillip Island is that 100Ks plus out of Melbourne, they both aren't able to draw a crowd. Um, when it came to motorbikes, they both could, but with cars, it just hasn't worked. And uh, it, it's, it's hard to understand why, but uh, it's certainly a handicap. Now, obviously, uh, we're next year in the situation where Formula 2 is not going to have the local categories, but it's going to have a couple of imports in Formula 2, Formula 3 for the very first time making their debut on Australian soil, which is a fantastic thing and something that uh, bodes well uh, in that way. But it does mean that those local categories that draw strength, such as GTs, Carrera Cup maybe, um, 
and then Formula Ford and others that have run their F5000 that have had that opportunity to get a sponsor on board because of the law of a big crowd, that's not going to be there for them. In supercars, Tony, even back in 2008, 2009, they understood that the Keystone signature events, bookending the series, was an important part of their calendar. Indeed, and that's why Adelaide was very important. And it's now interesting that there has been a a five-year contract signed for Adelaide to be the sign-off event uh, in uh, supercars. And uh, look, there's an awful lot to be said for that. And as we know, Formula One moved from being an end of year as it was in Adelaide to a start of year in Melbourne. Um, IndyCars obviously were were an end of year event um, in Surface Paradise. But and they haven't been back and probably unlikely to be back because I don't think they're taking uh, IndyCars uh, in a plane again anytime soon. But um, the supercars have certainly uh, kept up. You know, they've got Pukukoi this year. That's the only flyaway event. Uh, there is still an enormous amount of strength still in New Zealand for the category. Um, I would hope that at some stage there will be a chance for two events in New Zealand. And there obviously is that possibility, particularly when uh, supercars, and I would think, will return to Queensland Raceway in 2023. You'd agree there, Peter? Uh, Yes, the the improvements to that track uh, are just outstanding in in terms of what they've already delivered and what their future plans are. Perhaps one of the, the most notable changes to the makeup of the calendar is the growth of the night racing um, at, at Sydney and Perth in particular. Uh, you know, Sydney, it still struggles to get that crowd, but we have seen that innovation in trying to create uh, a spectacle, uh, uh, if not live, at least for TV. And yes, the, the, the mega events to, to bookend the season, we, we've missed them dearly the last couple of years for, for obviously uh, very good reasons. But yes, yeah, so important important to have uh, Adelaide and Newcastle as that, that, you know, the big events and the concerts and that kind of stuff. Uh, it really does set the tone for the whole calendar. I think the uh, the strength that they've successfully built on is that television product. That's not to say there is uh, there's not more to do, in particular across uh, other forms of new media. I think that the, there's still a bit to go, but the, the television product really is the key. Uh, the loyalty to the brands, I think, is waning. I don't think we have the strength of personalities and the drivers we, we once had. I fear it's actually been replaced by a bit of tall poppy syndrome. Uh, but the TV products, the the, 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 the jewel uh, for them to build on. Well, it, it's certainly interesting, Peter. Thank you for joining us again on Inside Supercars. And Craig, um, it's a subject that obviously needs far more discussion on, and I'm sure that there are people in power who will be discussing, and we hope that listening to uh, our show to maybe get a uh, feel of how some people feel about the subject and what their involvement and future interests will be in the world of Inside Supercars. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's show. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.